Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one careening minute at a time. I'm Nick Amendes in the news. And I'm Scott Corelli, and joining us for our second day of our second week of Minute Family All-Star Week, Chris LaSalle and David Stoker from Wrath of Khan Minute. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, happy to have you guys. And today we are going back to minute number 92, which uh, begins with uh, Biff listening to uh, the uh, sports radio uh, catch up while Marty um, stalks him in the back and ends with, um, I'm going to assume, a a head on collision. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> right before a head-on collision. Yeah, that is a perilous ending. Yeah. Um. So first, first note that I I want to talk about is is technically toward the uh, end of the minute, but um, can we talk about the uh, questionable physics of the uh, almanac ending up on the windshield? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That just that bugs me every time I see it. I'm like, that's not how wind resistance works. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the wind, the wind would have to be going really fast in the (laughs) other direction for for that to be happening. That's uh, unbelievable. Wow. I mean, the pages are even, it's not even like stuck to the window, right? Just press flat. The pages are (laughs) flapping, so it should be long gone. Yeah, I guess they just couldn't afford a wind tunnel for this sequence or something. I don't know. Um, it's really, it's really maybe funny. It's just I mean, a really heavy book. Maybe. <laughs> well, they are know, they are driving like five miles an hour too, so maybe that's that's part of it. But but you know, Nick, you said it, it must be a heavy book, and that's actually one of the questions I had. And I don't know if you guys have talked about this already, but um, so Biff's listening to the the scores on the radio. You know, he he reaches behind, opens the book, and he within a moment finds the scores that they're calling out <laughs> and <clears throat> how can he find those so so quickly well because he knew exactly where to look <laughs> his future self told him where to look <laughs> did he bookmark it for him i missed that maybe he had bookmarked well, the date that he went back well they well, they've never they've never i will say this they've never shown the inside of the almanac in close up before but we've seen it in, oh, like over shoulders and stuff and mm-hmm. and based on the size of the almanac and the period of time that it takes up the print is like five point print i mean it is it's got a tiny print. tiny print I, there's no way I could read something like that in a moving car while driving. I will say in Biff's defense, you know, the, the, the almanac does start at 1950 and we're in 1955. So it, he wouldn't have to turn that many pages before he got to the right year. <laughs> That's true. But finding a specific game. God, that just sounds like a nightmare. A specific uh, date, it, it, a specific it, team, a specific sport. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, back yeah. then, I, I have to agree that it's 1955. How many sports things are going on at once? And most of the things that they're talking about is college football. So it's not like he has to find the NFL, MLB, mm-hmm. hockey. I, I would say I'm going to actually disagree and say maybe five pages in. <laughs> hmm. okay. maybe, maybe a year per page. Yeah. And it kind of is, uh, it, it's, it's a very canny move on the part of the filmmakers to never show the inside of the book. 
uh, it, it it sort of kind of leaves the kind of he- it helps it helps keep the illusion. Uh, we're like, okay, well, I, I assume however that book is structured and laid out that it's it's easily. <laughs> and, yeah. and we and we know from previous minutes he's looked at the book, so he must have a good knowledge of how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I don't think he's looked at it. He looked at it pretty absentmindedly because the rest of the time that we see him studying it, it turns out that he's actually studying Ooh La La magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, but but you know, I, apparently he's just very good at multitasking. <laughs> Um, he he can listen to a game, drive, and find something in an almanac. He would yeah. be a perfect driver to today. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can honestly yeah. say I've never. Oh my god, I got so mad. I was watching the Olympics uh, the other day, and uh, there was a commercial for uh, someone was driving while reading a book, and <laughs> uh, and, they, and, the cop, and the cop and like, this is based on a real thing that happened, and like they, they pull the car over. And the cop was like, ma'am, were you, you know, why were you speeding? She was like, I was reading a book. And he was like, what book were you reading? And she was like, James Patterson. He was like, James Patterson. And then it cuts to like the new James Patterson paperback that he didn't even write. He's like been dead for 10 years and they're just keeping his body alive. And it was like, James Patterson, we so good. You reading, you reading a jam while driving, James Patterson. And I just was like, who the hell? Who greenlit that? Reading a James Patterson book while driving. And that we who was doing that in, re- in real life? And yeah, exactly. Who the hell greenlit that commercial? Like our books are so good that your people are endangering their lives on the road. Just <laughs> and, yours. and yours, and yours. <laughs> like not just their own, also yours. Like imagine an Angry Birds commercial about like how hard it is to not play it while driving a car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but but for real, uh, I, Biff Tannen would text and drive like a son of a bitch. Oh, um, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and didn't you, I, I know you guys talked about an earlier minute too? When he, when isn't he driving with a concussion right now? Haven't we determined that he's he he's been smashed oh. in the face? His head has been smacked up against pavement, and now he's oh, driving yeah. the car. He's he's he just needs a bottle of booze. He's not. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what he needs. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, his face is all bloody. He didn't even bother like wiping. He like kind of wiped it, but he didn't clean his face. It's just steer, still smeared with blood. It's, Can you imagine it's, him coming home and his grandma like, what <laughs> happened to you? Like, <laughs> grandma. Shut up, grandma. Two kids knocked me out. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, I always think when Marty's uh, clinging to the, to the doorknob, uh, that it, the, the door handle that it's going to snap off. <laughs> yeah that'd be a cool little jj abrams uh, like honestly i think that's uh i think it's a ballsy move on on marty's part of just like yeah i'm just gonna open the door and, and take the almanac i mean whatever well, that's so marty, just, that's marty at this point, i'm just gonna go for it so since we're going there i prepared for this minute by while i was driving to work this morning i consciously looked in my peripheral vision <laughs> and i would totally notice if someone opened my car door yeah, I mean, <laughs> the one the one thing that I would say, I mean, yeah, you're right. It would have to be peripheral vision because, like, in a normal car, you would hear the door open and be like, yeah, "What?" Because you would you well, would hear the change. But he's in a convertible, yeah. so he wouldn't hear the change in airflow. Um, but you would see that door open. Definitely, you would see that. You would see the change in light at least. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, and you would just sense like. Uh, something's different than it is usually. 
Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd glance over. I mean, something drives by you. You you look. Yeah, he's totally but, oblivious. But yeah, but, but he does look in 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 my that, yeah eventually. My, yeah. But <laughs> that's my 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 favorite part of this minute. Actually, I guess it's second favorite. Is is the double take? It's he just casually looks over. Oh yeah, there's Marty, and, then, <laughs> and turns away, and then reacts. And, uh, his, his reaction is perfect. It is, no! it is, God, it's totally totally normal that there's a uh, a small little Canadian kid trying to get into my car while I'm driving. <laughs> This is this is normal. I, I I I I take people from the from the Canadian across the Canadian border all the time. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how Bev afforded his uh, his uh, car repairs. And you know, Marty has a lot of experience in being undetected by drivers, as we as we saw. That's how he that was how he got to school every morning. That it's Marty true. is a shady so, character. He's just like a little quiet. He's you know you know this isn't a. I, I I I hesitate to make a pun this 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 uh this awful, but you know he, he is kind of like a sly little foxy kind of dude. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I I did have that in my notes. To, 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 just in general, is there anything Marty can't do? <laughs> um, sure, um, he can ha- hang off a car and open a door, and he's on a hoverboard, no less. And well, he's yeah. a very he's a very prideful man. Uh, you can't you can't say no to a to a race or a fight or a challenge. It's kind of like the protagonist right. of an anime. <laughs> he he's always sleepy. He's always running late. You know, I mean, that's how every anime starts, right? It's like I'm late for school, and then it's like it's like with that one piece of toast hanging from his mouth. <laughs> There's always like the girl character that's like, "You're so lazy," but you eat a lot too. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I. I mean, I think. I think the thing with Marty is he can do anything. But it is always with a lot of struggle um, until <laughs> until the moment that it counts. Then he'll he'll literally walk over a car in movement. Yes. Um, but but leading up to the moment where he he finally just like fills his body with confidence, uh, it's a, it's always a struggle. Everything he does is a struggle. Um, yeah, he has to almost fail a few times right. before he gets that big win. Right. Right. Um, which I think is kind of cool. That's that's I think that's what makes Marty such a a great character is is the struggle. You know, he's not he's he's John McClane in Die Hard. He's not John McClane in in Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, he's in he's in the he's in the and Raiders. Right. Yeah. Where it's like I don't know if this guy's gonna get out of this. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, you you're not you're not. Uh, you know, you're not worried about him like wrestling a, a jet plane to the ground, um, uh, or yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> the, re- the reason Force Awakens I think was so great is you know you really you found yourselves rooting for for Finn and Ray, and like especially Finn, especially Finn. I mean, Boyega was so good at sort of projecting a, a vulnerability and a, and a and a humor to his performance while still being like a protagonist that you like took seriously and believed in. And, you know, like little moments like Ray, like forgetting to, you know, there's so much, you know, so much uh, ink, uh, you know, tweet ink has been spilled on her being like a Mary Sue or what have you. But, you know, there's that delightful moment where she forgets to take the safety off in the blaster before she shoots. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, and, and and you know this this continues. I think this sequence we talked about this uh, in yesterday's minute a little bit, but this this minute continues my feeling that this is the trench the Death Star trench run of the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> nice, good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you? So I, I have a question. You know, the character of Biff. Would you guys have said in the first movie, would you have considered Biff to be a murderous character? Because in this one, there's in this whole sequence, there's multiple times he is trying to, he's not trying to hurt Marty. Oh, he totally does in the first movie, too. Did he try to kill him? He totally does. He totally yeah, he tries, try, he, he tries he to tries, run him into the manure truck. Yeah, he tries to run him over with his car. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely saying he's got murderous intentions, and and it wasn't a thing where we're like we're like we're we're like oh yeah he was he was gonna kill it like he literally just he says out loud I am going to kill you with my car like it's it's it's, it's there's no ifs ands or buts about it so like I would say I would say he is very morally questionable and I will say that uh, he he has intent um, but I don't know how much. Other than in this movie, you know, I don't know, you know, having killed um, George, obviously, uh, I don't know how much murder Biff Tannen has actually done. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but right. this could be his first if he pull, if he succeeds with Marty. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's in his blood. <laughs> did, did you guys did you guys notice <clears throat> just following along that line? Did, did you guys notice how long it takes him to wind up that foot? <laughs> Uh oh yeah it's like like seconds we get seconds to see him just hold and pose and but you you know i think i think we're not thinking about it because it's a close-up of the of the foot of the of the leg it's like focused on on just that one part of his body i feel like stretching out your leg while steering your car would be incredibly difficult to balance uh yeah yeah. So like so I think I think it it's accurate that it would take that long. It's just that we're not seeing him struggle with the steering wheel, so it just seems like it seems unnaturally long. <laughs> right. And when the yeah. car be slowing down too, he's got his foot off the gas. That's he's, true. He's got long legs. <laughs> yeah. I just love I love that wind up. I'm like, wow, it just goes oh, on and on and on. I'm like, man. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, it adds to the sort of cartoony nature of these sequels. Um you know, Zemeckis coming off of Roger Rabbit sort of changed his uh, comedic stylings a little bit. Um, and it, it turned everything a little cartoony. And uh, I think this is this is definitely that wind up is definitely uh, a Roger Rabbit sort of factor to it, I think. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, so. So I've got a fun question for you guys. Do we have anything else for this for this minute in particular? So the end of the minute, as we're careening into the <laughs> embutment there, um, <clears throat> why why is he shouting Marty let go? <laughs> I just I let think go of the car. Let go. Grand, why? Why? It's, it's, it's not like Marty's adding. Moment. He's he's adding eighty pounds to the weight of the car. It's not like how heavy is he? <laughs> I think he just wants Marty to die. <laughs> I mean, kill yourself. Yeah, I just, I think you just let me. go of the car so I don't have to deal with you anymore <laughs> and I can go home. 
like you've already lost. I have the almanac. You're you're barely hanging on to the car. Just let go. Just just let go. Yeah, just let go. To quote another Indiana Jones moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um yeah, so so uh you know, you guys are the host of uh, Wrath of Khan minute and so I was really excited to have you guys on because last year, uh last season on the show, uh when we were talking to um uh, two of our two of our uh, past guests, uh, Preeti and, and Ali, we talked about which uh, Hogwarts house would the characters end up in. And so now that I have you guys, I am dying to know where in Starfleet, what what <laughs> what section of Starfleet would these characters end up? Because um, I I think without a doubt, Biff is a red shirt. I think that's. I was. I was, was do you really? My- and that, yeah. was my first, that was what my, my, as you were saying it, that was my gut. Like Biff's a red shirt, but then mm-hmm. I went to oh, Biff's security and he's one of those. Oh, yeah. He's like the jerk in security in the, in the, in the, in the reboot. You yeah, go, yeah. You were going, right, you were going yeah. right where I was going. Uh, cupcake. Era. Yeah. Cupcake. Well, well, aren't, aren't the red shirts in the original series? Aren't they primarily security? Isn't that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Security engineering, I guess. Yeah. Because the Star Trek does that weird thing where, which I've never, that's the one thing that I've never really understood is they like, they combine colors for different departments where it's like medical and science are, are together. And like, uh, you know, the, the yellow shirts are like three or four different jobs. And then the red shirts are three or four different jobs, which is really strange. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of that stuff was kind of retconned after the fact, right? Right. It was probably more just randomly doled out. Whoever was, <laughs> probably. whoever was in the costume department at the day, it was clean. It was clean. Yeah. And then it kind of, we went back and looked for the patterns. So like, okay, those are mostly security guys. And then when you start <laughs> going into Deep Space Nine or, or even the next generation, you have people that aren't even wearing the uniform. True. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Deep Space Nine was specific because it was it was about the politics of it being a space station in non-Federation space. And right, it was, right, right, right. Right, right, right. So, so it was sort of like a combo thing where everyone was dressed as their own culture or whatever. Right, yeah. The Bajorans um, and the, Odo right. and all had yeah. their own individual. Or like how Worf was allowed to wear his Klingon uh, war uh, satchel or sash. Bandolier or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I, I'm picturing Marty. In the Wesley Crusher sweater. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Oh, he's such a Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's funny. I See, I pictured him as like a checkoff. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Just him running. You checkoff know, from the original series. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. just needs the mop top. Right. He just needs the mop top. He needs to look like he was recently rejected from the monkeys. Uh, <laughs> I just um, leading up to Star Trek Beyond, I uh, I rewatched the other two um, Abrams movies. And just I I I just I friggin love uh, 09 Star Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. They, they did such a, they, the all the replacement characters, all of you know the new versions. Of everyone, I think they nailed. And uh, my personal favorite is McCoy. Oh, definitely. Oh, Car- yeah, Carl yeah, Urban it just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, and that, that was one of my favorite parts about the third one. I I, I, I thought that uh, one of the issues about Into Darkness was I think it kind of shortchanged the other members of the crew. So I was really happy and beyond when the, the crew kind of had more of a part to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, agreed. I think, uh, I think with Doc, I think my 
my instinct, your your immediate instinct is, oh, well, he'd be he'd be a blue shirt. He'd obviously be a science officer, but I think he'd be engineering. I think he'd be the Scotty. Yeah, I was leaning towards science, but then you make you said that, and I'm like, hmm, I could totally see him being panicking. Like I'm, I'm giving it all. Eight, yeah. one point twenty one chicken wings. <laughs> oh, right. Don't fly the ship with those torpedoes. <laughs> yeah. Can you picture him throwing banana peels in the warp engine? <laughs> I think uh, I think if he's Scotty, then I think uh, I think uh, Marty would definitely be like the little deep Roy alien. <laughs> we man. Um, I think I think I think George would be like the science officer. I think. Yeah. Well, George would be Gary Mitchell. Oh, <laughs> Gary <Ooh>. Mitchell. <laughs> 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 Oh, I don't. Oh man, so I I did I did a little bit of homework for a comment on the show because I was also looking for you know where's the Back to Future and the in the Star Trek crossovers and I you know I think mm-hmm. the, the obvious one is Commander Krug or Krug in uh in Search for Spock right of course played of by course. Chris Lloyd. that was pretty obvious Sur- uh, Search for Spock my favorite uh, Star Trek movie of the original uh, original crew wow. Really? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Um, no, no, I, I, I'll give you. I mean, that's uh, probably one of my. It's probably my second favorite. I think, I think it's the most. To me, it's the one that feels the most like Star Trek. Um, whereas, like Wrath of Khan is just a great movie, but it doesn't feel as much like Star Trek because sure. it's like kind of militarized in a way that the original series wasn't so much. And Search for Spock is just about this crew and their friend, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, just the crazy science, uh, behind like recreating a world from scratch is so Star Trek. Like it's, it's just, it's great. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so the, the, just going back to the, the, the homework I did. So there yeah. actually, there's, there's multiple call outs to back to the future in Star Trek. Um, really? actually, I don't know if you guys have hit on this before in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the previous season or anything. Um, in the next generation, uh, there's an well, there's an episode where uh, you know they're talking through all their techno babble, but they're talking about an anti gravity unit and a piece of it they call it the flux capacitor. Oh, that's cool. There's <laughs> so actually a call out to it, so I thought that was a that was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a there's a there's a few others, but that was kind of the most, uh, most <laughs> Star Trek writers uh, or, or science sci fi writers sharing uh, their techno babble. <laughs> yeah, uh, crossing worlds, just yeah. Fun. Yeah, that's really great. It's like yeah. when uh, when shows use the reverse the polarity thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody Classic. uses that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's really great. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I, and, and you know, uh, both both uh, both series deal with time travel uh, often, um, which <laughs> yeah. which is I, I I think that's I think that's a really interesting thing about about Star Trek because it doesn't. Voyage Home is so fun, but man, what a weird movie that is to exist. Um, it's it's very much like the Back to the Future of the yeah, Star Trek. And, and 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 Scott and I, uh, we we kind of watched them sort of congruently. We watched we watched one and two literally in the same in, in Scott's apartment, and then we kind of mm-hmm. would watch them on our own time, and then and then uh, and then like you know tweet about it, you know. And Voyage Home, I love I love Voyage Home so much because I just can't imagine what modern internet fandom would do if a sequel <laughs> to their their favorite thing came out and it was just a light fun comedy about saving whales 
Yeah, yeah, that I mean, one's. We, we've talked. We've talked about it before, right? There's, See, that's I, my sec. That's my second favorite. Uh, I love it. I love, I love it. I love that just, movie. Oh, I oh, I love like, it. It's so fun. It's just the weirdest Star Trek oh, movie. It, like, I just yeah. can't imagine. I just can't like. Just imagine the 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 next Star Trek movie. Like all all of the J.J. Abrams crew just like show up in like twenty twenty nineteen modern day and they're just like we gotta save all these raccoons like we yeah. just <laughs> we gotta save the raccoons it's you know of, it was it's, a product product of its, time. it's great yeah we got <laughs> we got this garbage virus and the only way to get rid of it is for the t- raccoons um <laughs> so it would appear in, 20, a, in 2017 uh, sexuality and is a thing of the past yeah, I would also Jennifer like to take fluid. this time to announce that I'm writing the next Star Trek movie. I'm no, like, I'm yeah, don't give him any ideas about Raccoon. <laughs> yeah. Copyright dueling genre, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's cr- Voyage Home is crazy. Uh, I love it though. It's the scene it's- where the scene where uh, where McCoy and Scotty like like show that guy the secret to like engineering and it's like how do you know he well how do we know he didn't invent it you know like it's all right fair enough yeah it's not great talk about paradoxes right there i know right oh yeah their their idea of like getting rid of a paradox is just like let's just not talk about it it's fine we know it'll work its way out it's whatever it's fine um yeah i i also uh i i think i think my biggest problem with voyage home is that they just completely sidelined Savick, who is such a big part oh. of the two movies before that. Well, I think there, yeah, there was a lot of problems with that because of, you know, they wanted Kirstie Alley back and that yeah. fell through and then they had to go get someone else and I really you know, like in, in uh, Star Trek three. So I feel like right. her part just sort of fell away. Yeah. And, and I know that there was that whole like plan where she was, she was actually pregnant with Spock's child and that's why she stayed on Vulcan. So and she was originally supposed to be the villain in uh, something they never ever reference again. <laughs> yeah. And then, and also in part four, there's that really beautiful. You don't even realize that it was still not concluded, but there's that brilliant callback to three, where you know Spock runs into uh, his father and he goes, "Hey, tell tell mother that I'm 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 fine." Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That, that is I great. Mean, that never doesn't make me get the uh, you know verklempt. Yeah. <laughs> He definitely Spock definitely has a journey. I mean, we're talking about it sort of now and our in the minutes and the journey he goes through. And as much as we love to reference the motion picture, um, you know, his journey starts in that movie, his, you know, his learning, his emotional journey. And he by far, and I don't know how you guys feel, he is the most fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even even going into the original series and watching those episodes, it's you know, when, when Leonard Nimoy kind of, you're watching Leonard Nimoy find the character. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then of course, like he is, he kind of plays a big part in, in Star Trek beyond, you know, his, <laughs> his influence is certainly felt by the, yeah. the other characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what, what are, what are, uh, what, what are, you know, not to, not to completely, uh, lose the back to the future track um we uh what 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 are your backgrounds with um with the trilogy and and sort of like how do you rank the three the three movies and and all that i'll I'll start with uh chris let's see i'm pretty sure and dave can check me on this that he and i would have seen this the the original together yep right we've been we've been we've been friends since the eighth grade 
Yep. And uh, <laughs> this this would have come out the summer just after eighth grade, right? 85? Yeah, I, I can and, uh, pretty much guarantee we would have went to the Bedford Mall and seen this. <laughs> That's exactly what I had pictured in my head. We would have ridden our bikes down to the Bedford Mall in New Hampshire. And uh, <laughs> I, we pretty, I'm pretty sure we would have seen like every movie that oh, came yeah, out that Oh, yeah, without summer. a doubt. Yeah. Um, so we definitely saw saw the original there. And I know this one came out over Thanksgiving break, right, in 89. And uh, we were... Mm-hmm. We were in college then, so I think we. I know I, I. I know I saw it with friends, so I'm assuming we saw it together, Dave. I don't know if you remember. I don't. I know we saw the first one together. Yeah, um, and I will say, uh, as far as ranking goes, I, I, I was thinking about that because I had a feeling you guys were going to ask, and I think before uh, doing this minute, I would have said one, two, three, just right in release order. But after I, I did rewatch two, and it's been. A long time since um, since I've seen it all the way through. Um, I was a little disappointed with it. I I, um, I my favorite sequence in the whole movie is when they go back to fifty five and um, they kind of you know, they interact with all the elements from the original film. Um, I thought that was just really well done and really clever. You get to see some extras you didn't see in the original film, and uh-huh. um, that that was that was what my memory of Back to the Future two was and then i had forgotten about you know 2015 and then you know the whatever the apocalypse 85 uh-huh. um, so it was a little bit like uh but uh and then at the end of the movie where you get to see you know i'm allowed to jump ahead right yeah yeah, um, yeah. you get to see the uh uh kind of the mini trailer for the third one mm-hmm. i remember specifically in the theater going Ugh, what is this <laughs> but, but but rewatching it again, I am totally excited, and I'd forgotten how much. Like, oh yeah, that is a really fun movie. The third one is really fun. So, my new order is now one, and then three, and two. Yeah, that that seems to be the general consensus. Is if you haven't watched the movies in a really long time, you know, when you're younger, two is your favorite because two has so many like crazy ideas, and like you revisit the first movie, and it has an alternate universe, and it has the crazy future with all the all the insane ideas and and future technology. And so it's really easy to fall in love with that one as a kid, and you know, also kids aren't, you know, since the fifties haven't really been into Westerns. Um, it's not, they don't mean the same thing to the generation that were kids when this movie came out, uh, then, uh, you know, people who were older. Um, that's interesting you say that. Cause I think, I think you're right. And I think, I think as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. that I, I totally appreciate Westerns a lot more than I did when I was a kid. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Like, oh yeah, I really like Westerns a lot more so than I did. I've always liked three as my number two. Like mm-hmm. one, one I think is one. Like that is just a great film. Yeah. And I think three, I've always liked Westerns. So three always appealed to me. I absolutely, and I felt like I was going to be totally in the minority here. I do not like number two at all. Mm. There are sequences in it that I like, but as a movie, I just do not like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. really, there really aren't it's, a lot it's, of... it's a little, it, it can be rough. It can certainly be rough at points. I mean, my, I think my favorite sequence is definitely the alternate universe, uh, you know, Bifco and all that, but I, I just... The, the Mirror Mirror universe. Yes, yes, will. yes. Exactly. <laughs> the Mirror Mirror universe. Nice, <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> but yeah, overall, yeah, not, not liking it. Yeah. And even after rewatching it, you know, for the minute here, 
still not liking it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, I, Nick? You know, just reflecting on uh, just the Western in general, because this is sort of the second day in a row that we've sort of uh, had guests that sort of said that the Western is kind of a genre that they learn to appreciate with time, uh, like mm-hmm. more. And, you know, thinking back to the great Western stories, you know, like uh, uh, the Unforgiven or, or yeah. The Searchers, it's kind of an old man genre. And, and there really aren't a lot of defining Western stories about being young or about youth. I mean, when I, when I think of kids in Western, they're normally kind of a nuisance or, you know, they're they're kind of killed off as sort of like, oh, life is... Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, or they're or they're like a like a farm hand or whatever that is like okay, like I've got to go. Your daddy's got to go take care of business, pa. and that's what the movie's about. You need to stay back and be the man of the house. I while love I'm you, gone. Paul. You define masculinity for me and a generation. <laughs> well, right? I think, well, I think they definitely turned that around though in the late '80s with like Young Guns and yes. you know that definitely revitalized that for our generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what would you young- call? Would, do you guys remember the Quick and the Dead? Oh Sharon yeah, Stone and Leonardo. Oh, God, and, yeah. Uh, that one was. Uh, I mean, that's got the whole range. I think isn't Russell Crowe in that one too? Yep, mm-hmm. one of his first movies, DiCaprio. Uh, but that had, yeah, DiCaprio, right? So that had kind of all, the whole range from Gene Hackman to DiCaprio. I'm excited and, to see how uh, the American box office reacts to this uh, this upcoming Magnificent Seven remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I have a weird feeling that it's going to be way bigger than anyone is prepared for. Uh, every time I've seen a trailer in the theater, the audience reacts really big to it. Well, Chris Pratt, man. Is just- uh, yeah, I was, I was just going to say the same thing. Chris Pratt is so hot right now that I feel like he could do nothing in a movie and it would be awesome. You have right, I, and, and I mean, the whole world is going to end at the end of this year when Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence are in a movie together. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, it's just, I mean, the whole world is just, it's just going to be, I mean, it's yeah. the end times uh, when that and happens. Then, and then, and then few people, few actors can bring in older uh, moviegoers than Denzel Washington, you know, and That's we true. see that with Flight and yeah, you know, Equalizer, you know, people that go see, you know, two to three movies a, a year. It's usually one of them is going to have Denzel Washington in it. Yeah. Yeah, my father cannot stop talking about Denzel Washington. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the Western too. And and, and the other thing about uh, part three is that more than any of the other movies, Marty is not the main character. Uh, Doc is the main character yep. of, of the yep. third movie. Um, and I think that for kids, that probably hurts it too, because Marty isn't influencing the story as much as he does in the other ones. It would be um, like if in episode eight, sort of Ray took a backseat to Luke. Right. Right. Exactly. Which may happen. We don't know. Which, yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't even like the sound of that. Right. See, so there you go. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, guys, we'll definitely, we'll have to have you back for part three. This was fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah we had a great time. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, we definitely we, we appreciate you guys uh, stopping by. Tell people uh, about Rathacon Minute, where they can find the show and everything. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Rathacon Minute, was uh, you can find us at, at www.rathaconminute.com. Um, we're doing it's uh, semi-daily right now, but we're using the minute-by-minute format that uh, you guys are doing that we uh, inherited uh, from Pete the Retailer and Alex. And, um, you know, we, we, we kind of just had – Dave and I had this uh, – I don't know, a joking conversation week and like, oh, we should totally do Wrath of Khan. Yeah. So here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our first podcast and uh, 
uh, definitely been learning a lot, but having a lot of fun with it. Yep. And, um, it's, uh, it's really good because you guys are, uh, as self-described bad Trekkies. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's not, uh, it's not an intimidating show to listen to. And you would think that, uh, a Star Trek podcast would be intimidating. Um, and, and yours isn't, which is, which is really great. It, 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 it works from the perspective of someone who like, I grew up with the Star Trek movies. I love the Star Trek movies, but I don't know how the enterprises engine works. Like I just, I don't, I don't know that stuff. Um, exactly. I feel like we should know those things, but so far we've managed to get through almost half of the movie yep. and we're, we're doing all right. And, uh, and we haven't really gotten any hate mail from the, the, uh, the Uber uh, Trekkies out there. So I think mm -hmm. we're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, and and you guys were smarter than us because you only come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a, uh, we we definitely hemmed and hawed about it, but we're, <laughs> I think we're happy with the decision we made. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We we are counting down the days. We love doing this show, but we are counting down the days to our hiatus. Um, yeah, I, I, I bet. <laughs> definitely say that. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on. That's RathaConMinute.com. Is that where? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will be back tomorrow with uh, another minute. Uh, but in the meantime, um, where, can people, uh, where can people find us, Nick? Well, Scott, if they wanted to find more of our work online, they can go to DuelingGenre.com, uh, where you can leave comments. And uh, we have a great little community of people going. Uh, going back and uh, commenting on old episodes, which is always fun. Uh, we don't remember what we said, but uh, we're, we're, we're grateful that you guys do. Uh, <laughs> you can contact us at contact at backtothefutureminute.com. Uh, thanks to you guys and our Patreon uh, donors and subscribers, we are now able to do a weekend edition of the show, which will continue even through the hiatus. And mm -hmm. uh, a big part of that, sh uh, of that, of that podcast, that show is uh content and emails from you guys so the you know the more feedback we get the more we have to talk about and the better the show is uh, and you can tweet us at bttf minute which we also use as fodder for the show and we also just love hearing from you guys and we love uh retweeting anytime we see like back to the future stuff or cute pictures of leah thompson we'll retweet it and you know we, we you know we just uh you know you know we we, we i just we love our listeners and we just love uh, chatting with them and talking to them and you can tumble at us at bttfminute.tumblr.com we love tumblr we've gotten some really cool little gifts and sometimes artwork and stuff and we'd love to now that we're you know what have you been your favorite uh moments of part two what are your favorite quotes from part two we're kind of about to end the second volume season of the show and we'd love to hear that and you can like us on facebook leave a review on itunes which is always the waviest thing you can do for a podcast it really helps us out and uh, speaking of podcasts, we have other shows like The Doctor's Companion, which we uh, host with the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla herself, Cassandra Fredrickson. It's where we review old and eventually new episodes of Doctor Who. And, uh, you know, speaking of bad Trekkies, I'm a bad Whovian. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm watching all these old classic episodes for the first time. So, you know, don't be intimidated. We are probably um, we are hopefully the unsnootiest uh, one of the unsnootiest Doctor Who podcasts out there. Uh, Geek by Night, which is my baby. Scott and I had a child and we named it Geek by Night and uh, we love it. Uh, we, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so fun and it's funny and sad and it's Gilmore Girls and Buffy and Back to the Future and all of those 
shows and stories that we love. And it's uh, about to, it, the, you know, season one is in full gear. Uh, Identity Crisis, our sixth story and our 11th and 12th episodes will be coming out here in a few weeks. And uh, if you want to figure out how you can help us out, uh, go to duelinggenre.com slash support or click on our donate button or you can always check out our merch and all of this, uh, you know, support, uh, you know, whether it's financial or, you know, I'm not here to, you know, millennials or it's hard out there for people that want to eat and live in a place at the same time. Uh, so <laughs> even if you can't, uh, lazy millennials can't afford to stay alive. And if you want to uh, not, if you can't help us out financially, just, you know, tweet, you know, show us, show, show listeners that you think might like the show, you know, show, 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 you know, retweet us to a blog or just get the word out. Uh, it's kind of the, it's kind of it's what it's all about. And uh, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer for making all of this possible. Leaper one to the eight to the two. And we will see you guys on Wednesday. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.